Do do. Here we go. My name is Todd, and this is Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number six hundred and sixty-three. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, why don't you tease it out for us, sweetie? Talk since we haven't done a show where it's just you and I chatting like this for a while. I wanted to go kind of kick it back old school and talk about. Um, paradoxical emotions. And there's a reason why. So it's not just a reiteration of old material. It's Mm -hmm. something new, but um, I kind of feel like things are cyclical where you learn something and then you think you understand it. And then it just comes right back around where you have to like re-understand it. Mm. And I think paradoxical emotions, what does that mean? That you can in one day feel really like overwhelmed and also hopeful. Hmm. that you can in one experience feel really excited about something and also super sad Hmm. Um, that, and I don't think, and I have some research here about this, that we as a country, as human beings do a very good job with respecting this. Hmm. There's a lot of disregarding and believing we have to narrow down exactly what we're feeling. We have to have one experience. We have to have one experience. And if we're having another at the same time, we're very shaming about it Mm. or disregarding where we'd pretend we're not. Right. There's like, we have such a, in our country, such an absolutism. Like if you're feeling this, this is a problem. Or if you're not feeling this, this is a problem or who are you? And, and we like to be the one who's right or the winner. And so I just want to like dive into that, like nuanced gray area again, because I've needed it lately. So I assume other people do too. It's all about the gray. Um, okay. Um, I copy and pasted this like two weeks ago and I thought it was interesting. Okay. Um, it's called rules for sons. S O N S. Okay. For boys. And there's 31 of them and I'm not going to go through all 31, but, but I first want to like bring light to the fact that at men living Sean Emerson on the president of the board, my good friend who helps me with men living, um, talked about the ridiculousness of gendered things. Okay. Like, girls shoes versus boy shoes. Right. Like what's the difference? Right. Or he carries a purse or a man bag. And not only does he not care that people make fun of him for it. I think he actually relishes it. Yeah. Like he likes it when people are like, why are you carrying a purse? It's like, cause this is something to hold my things in. That's what I was just about to say. There's almost like a, he probably thinks it's funny that people are missing out on that opportunity. Yeah, like this is really convenient. He's like, all right. Um. So, so I, I don't know who wrote this. I don't know where it came from. Can I ask a question first? Sure. Is this list that you're going to give us intended to be like, wow, that's ridiculous? Or is it intended to be positive and face forward? I think I want to ask, I'm going to say these rules and they're all like okay. eight words each. Okay. Like it's real quick rules. Okay. And is is it any more true for our daughters or a non-binary person than our sons? Right. 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 So I'm just going to jump in. Okay, let's hear it. So these are rules for sons. And I guess I'm wondering, are these also rules for people? Okay, let's right? go. Never shake a man's hand sitting down. Okay. I think that's a good rule. Could we say never shake a human being's hand sitting, sitting down? down. Yeah. Right. Because you're showing regard for yeah. the person. And right. some and some of these are silly, like this one. Okay. Don't enter a pool by the stairs. Why not? Because it's boring. You got to jump in. 
Okay. Don't enter it. Well, and, that's definitely not gendered. Right. I can see, I, I'm thinking of my three daughters and I know one of them would enter by the stairs yeah. and the other wouldn't. And they're more like, I think like that, like these are rules for life and it has nothing to do with sons. Okay. I like so, it. Keep going. The man so like they're these are very male centric. Okay. The man at the barbecue grill is the closest thing to a king. Okay. Now that is a that's like a guy thing. Like if there is a person who has the spatula that's yeah. grilling burgers, he's the one that carries the most authority in that moment. Like picture a group of guys at a backyard barbecue. The one who is in charge of the barbecue is the one that has the most authority. Okay. I mean, I get that in um I, I understand. I, and, and I know that you know this, but a lot of women grill. Of so course. that's not a, a thing. But so I, what how it, about the person who is grilling has a lot of power? So, yeah, let's say you and all your girlfriends are at a backyard barbecue Which and you're the we one are. and you're grilling. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a more sense of authority because you are in charge of grilling? You know, I can't speak to that because I never am that person. And it's got nothing to do with gender. It's got to do with the fact that I don't enjoy that job. Mm -hmm. Like something that you guys may not know about, and I'll just take ownership for this. And I won't say Todd and I, but Todd, or I, I don't. I'm really good at being with people and like talking to people and chatting people up. I'm not a great hostess. Yes. What I mean. All evidence to prove <laughs> that. And what I mean by that is that I forget that it's my job to like put out food or to like make sure people have drinks. And when I say that, I don't mean I don't care. I literally don't realize it's my job. Like I don't, there are people who hosting for that for them is like, the ultimate. And it's such a, they give from their heart and they're, they have all these details and things that they do and they make sure everybody's okay. And I kind of just pretend even when it's at my house, you're a party participant, participant. Like I forget. So like Todd had some people over for his 50th birthday and I was pretty much in charge of the food and stuff. And I totally forgot to put it out. Mm -hmm. And I really just am content to just chat it up. And we have like coolers and I figure human beings can grab those things on their own. But I, my point is, is when I am not going to be the griller, Yeah. but my friends who do grill, they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful. So my, so who, who's a friend that likes to grill? I could see uh, Jess would grill. All right. So let's say Jess has got the spatula Yeah. and you and all your friends are around. Do you think that she holds a certain amount of authority or do you think you know what she holds authority and this is anybody who's grilling they get to decide what time we eat mm-hmm. and that's power yeah because sometimes we you and i and we won't talk about it here but we have certain situations in certain places where eat the eating time yeah is like delayed 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 so i think for this first one like this the man at the barbecue grill is the closest thing to a king i think this one is a little more gendered because i think guys are more like okay don't mess with the person who's grilling. Well, and I guess what I would say is, is I believe you. Um, and I also wish there was another human here to maybe say, Oh yeah, women feel that way too. Thousands of people listening. So let us know what you think. Number four in a negotiation, never make the first offer. Yeah. I think that's that's true for all people. Yeah. The problem is if everybody did that, nobody would ever begin a negotiation. I know request a late checkout. We do that all the time. You and I, I don't think we do anymore, sweetie. We did it in LA. Did we? Yeah. 
Yeah. It seems like we're always getting on early flights. That's true too. So, okay. whereas I think of college, we would do that every, every time. single time. And then say, we're still here. Is this mm-hmm. going to be a problem? Yeah. This is another one that has nothing to do with sons or daughters, but people, when entrusted with the secret, keep it. Of course. Right? Number seven, hold your heroes to a higher standard. Whatever. I don't even agree with that one. Not at all. Yeah. So whoever. Well, I guess what I mean by that is a higher standard than what? To a hero. normal person. To a non-hero person. Okay. I don't know if that's fair or doable because they're also human beings. Yeah. I'm totally with you. You yeah. and I are. Number eight, return a borrowed car with a full tank of gas. Yeah. I would do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, play with passion or not at all. Has nothing to do with boys or girls. So the only one so far that I think is specifically for the boys of the barbecue. Right. Okay. Um, when shaking hands, grip firmly and look them in the eye. If you've ever shaken my daughter Skylar's hand, you you would know that she definitely knows how to do that. Yeah. She has the strongest. She's 14. She has the strongest handshake. She makes eye contact like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. On yeah. the handshakes. Uh-huh. Uh, don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. I don't even know what that means. Uh, I like that. Basically, that means sometimes you have to stand up, you know, a backbone. It's like, ooh, I hope that things work out yeah. versus I'm going to speak up for what I need. Um, if you need music, I don't agree with this one. If you need music on the beach, you're missing the point. Oh, I don't agree with that. I, I love music on the beach. And I love listening to the ocean sometimes, but for me to remove music from my beach experience is silly. Right. Right. I agree with that. Carry two handkerchiefs. What is this? 50 years old. I know my grandpa used to have a handkerchief. The one in your back pocket is for you. (laughs) The one in your breast pocket is for her. What is this? I don't know. So I think that means like if the girl that you're with needs a tissue, you give that one to her. I think a better idea than having a handkerchief is just have disposable tissues. (laughs) Maybe there were no disposable tissues when this list was made. That is one thing that, you know, and again, this is thinking back into my childhood, but my grandpa had a handkerchief and he would blow his nose and then he'd put it back in his pocket. Pretty disgusting. Well, and any number of stand-up comics have made fun of that idea. Right. And now with our understanding of not just germs, but of spreading illness, and obviously we're all hypersensitive about it now, that just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, let's just, let's just have a little thing of tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Those little convenient yeah. little packages where there's like 15 of them in there. Right. Those are great. That just makes more sense. Um, and once again, the, I don't remember where I found this shame on me for not even recording where it is. and. I, Kathy and I don't pretend to agree with any of these. Like this one says, you marry the girl, you marry her family. So like, this is a very heteronormative list, very heteronormative, which is not something that mm-hmm. you and I subscribe to, but just for, it's on the list. For, right. Do you agree with that? Like, so I married you. Did I marry your family? In, in a, it, it, it's all, this is nuanced too, because in a way, because there is a literal level and a spiritual level or emotional level. So maybe three ways is that no, of course you didn't <clears throat> literally, sorry, hold on one second. <clears throat> I'll cough with you to make okay, you feel better. Thank you. No, you didn't literally marry my family, but I came from somewhere where I love these people and these are my people. And the hope is that they become people who you end up loving as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also the emotional or spiritual level of this is that is my biology and that is my family tree. And that's my history. 
it could possibly have challenges in it, trauma, right. secrets, whatever. So you did kind of marry that as well. Yeah. So there's truth to it, but you've got to be nuanced because I also believe that as you and I discussed when we got married, that we have a great deal of love and respect for our biological families. And you and I are very close to our biological families, Yeah. but we are a family yeah. and that we have to make decisions that work for our family and this time and place and our children. And that if we are investing all of our energy on pleasing our biological families, then we are not in real time. Agreed. Okay. hundred percent. So there's a whole bunch left. I'm not going to do them all. Okay. Rapid fire. Okay. Uh, experience the serenity of traveling alone. I love traveling alone. Uh, I don't. And it terrifies me, even though I'm doing it tomorrow for work. Yeah. It doesn't terrify me. But you're I just, not alone. Cause you're going to be with a bunch of people. Yeah. It's like a work trip. Yeah. yeah. I just don't like solitude. Yeah. Even though I think that that is a path towards my evolution. If mm -hmm. I lean into that more, um, this is totally like boy centric, I guess a sport coat is worth a thousand words, whatever. I don't even know what that means. I, it just is one of those things. You know what? You know who would love that one is my dad. Really? My dad was very big on presentation. And you remember my dad's wardrobe. Mm -hmm. My dad had amazing clothes, yeah. some of which I still have. Top notch. Um, and he he was very big on you. If you want to be in a certain role, look the part so people don't have to imagine you in yeah. that role. Um, eat lunch with the new kid. Yeah. Love it. For sure. Uh, after writing an angry email, read it carefully, then delete it. Eh, sometimes sure. angry emails are necessary, but most of the time not. Uh, I would say write it and you probably won't send it because I don't know if much comes from an angry intention email. is anger. I would rather do it in person. Like there's nothing wrong with being angry. No, you know, anger. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with paradoxical emotions, but anger, it, Cameron and I were having this discussion about anger, because it's, again, talk about something that's nuanced. Anger is really helpful in getting you motivated or geared up to take action. Yeah. And it's also a very, it's a, it's a healthy human emotion. My big butt is, or my big, like, um, pay attention to moment would be if you are writing an email, when in anger and you have no other emotions of like tempering that mm -hmm. or having compassion, then that that email is not going to be great. Right. But the fact that maybe anger motivated you to write the email, but then you infused a lot of other emotion into it. Like I do understand where you're coming from or empathy for their situation. Then, then anger was helpful in just being a force, yeah. you know, to get it done. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Uh, last but not least, call and visit your parents often. They miss you. Yeah. That's well, a good one. That's, that's a big one for both of us. Yes. Um, so yeah, those were about half of the 31 rules for sons. I would probably rename that rules for human beings. And what's the date on that? I have no idea. Okay. It's funny. Cause they talk about emails and they talk about sport coats and handkerchiefs. So <laughs> it's like, maybe they wrote half the list and then 50 years later, they came back and wrote the other half. It's a time capsule. Yes. Um, so real quick on the Zen parenting moment, sweetie, you wrote yeah. one on challenges Yeah. and you had a, um, quote from Dan Millman, who wrote way of the spiritual warrior Yeah. far more than, than passive acceptance. Surrender uses every challenge as a means of spiritual growth and expanded awareness. I was excited about that quote because in the thing that I wrote about challenges, it talked about how surrender mm -hmm. is an aspect of dealing with challenges. Yeah. Um, and, and that I explained that surrender does not mean giving up. 
Sure. You know, it means recognizing that you don't have control over everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that idea, which you and I were discussing 10, 15 years ago, the idea of surrender has been really healing to me over time, because I really do run into walls about feeling that I can control things. And when I have that feeling of, you know what? It's not about letting go and moving on from it. It's about saying there is a truth in here that I'm not acknowledging. Yeah. I don't have control over this. Yeah. And that's what I'm surrendering to. Mm-hmm. Not surrendering to, so I might as well. That doesn't mean give up. No. It means reframe where you are. And speaking of um, these Zen parenting moments, if you go below in our um, show notes here, you can click on, you know, subscribe to Zen parenting moment. And I send one out every Friday. Um, and they're just kind of like the deep thought of the week. There's nothing to it. It's just a kind of like, consider this. And they're about all different topics. And they're usually about something that I'm either reading about or something that was inspired by something going on in the world. Um, but it's, you know, that's what it is. All right. So let's get into uh, paradoxical emotions. Okay. So, you know, as I already started, you know, the podcast by saying that, like, I really struggle with this idea of like optimism and toxic optimism and also feeling defeated and, and then feeling like cynical. It's like, there's all these, um, the way that I am now versus the way that I was maybe when we started this podcast is I think I was, I, I, I wouldn't say I was toxically optimistic, but I really did feel there was more rhyme and reason to things and that things would naturally work out and things would go this way. And, and there's no way this would happen. And don't worry about that. And I just had a much more, um, I, I would say it was a structured belief system, sure. Todd. Like it, it was really the way my brain was like, this is how it'll work out. I am not that person anymore. Um, I think that what has happened in the last, I don't know, five or six years has woken me up to the fact that things necessitate your voice and they necessitate hard work and paying attention and being an activist. And you can't just rest back and think, oh, it'll all work out. Mm -hmm. I I don't have um, admiration for that anymore the way I used to, you know, like I used to feel like, oh yeah, they're just a trusting person. And it's like, no, no, we all have to, it's healthy to be able to speak up about things that are challenging or difficult in the world. You know, it's the, um, Elie Wiesel thing, um, about indifference is what the problem is. Or in, in MLK said the same thing. It's not about the differing of opinion. It's when good people do nothing. So I say that because I still struggle sometimes when I'm dealing with reality and noticing what's happening in the world, a lot of it challenging, but there's also a lot of good things. And I'm always like fighting between, so is the world a good place? Are people inherently good? Or are we like running into a problem with humanity where we're never going to be able to fix it? Like I'm constantly going back and forth and where I'm trying to find myself is that it's always been both Mm -hmm. always. And that this, and then I know that people will say, no, this is, the hardest time our country has had, or this is the most difficult time for climate change reasons, or everybody has commentary on that. But I think my feeling is, is we always have to hold space for both. Like I never want to live in a place where I'm not hopeful. Sure. I don't think that's helpful. No, I don't think that that is healthy for me or for my children or for our relationship. There's just some really basic, and it's not good for the workplace or the work we do. Like and hopefulness, 
and you and I have kind of struggled with this with, you know, Eastern thought about hopefulness, even like Thich Nhat Hanh talked about this, like it's not always considered a positive thing. Yeah. That word hopeful. Right. Do you remember that discussion? I do. I don't remember where it stemmed from because I would, I would always used to play that part from Shawshank where Andy Dufresne says yeah. hope is one of the greatest things. Yeah. And I do think it is. There's a longing for things to be better. Uh, but I can also see how even that could be, this is a big word, but weaponized, like mm -hmm. hope can also be detrimental. Yeah. I think hope is, if I, you know, obviously I would never assume that I understand completely what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying or what, you know, Buddhist, Buddhism philosophy is saying, but I think that th what I've kind of gleaned from it is that hopefulness by itself is a problem. Kind of like what I was saying about just being positive and saying, I hope the world turns out to be a good place that you, or just that then you are not paying attention to this moment. Mm -hmm. If you are like constantly thinking about, I'm hopeful right. for next year or five years from now or tomorrow, then you aren't here, yeah. which takes you away from the present moment, which is where the Buddhist says you should be. And not only should we be, that's the only thing we have, yeah. you know? So it's like not even a, it's a it's not even a question of, well, I'd rather spend my day doing tomorrow. Well, it doesn't exist yet. So yeah. it's such a waste of time. So it gets a little, so I don't think they're saying like having a hopeful outlook on humanity is a bad, is a problem, Sure. but there is a problem if you're like, well, I'm not going to do anything today to make my life better. And I'm just going to hope tomorrow's better. almost anything taken to an extreme is probably unhealthy. Yeah. Like you can overdo anything. You can die from drinking too much water. Right. Um, you could have a bad outlook if you have only one way of looking at it. Like the only word I would say that probably that doesn't apply to is love. Like, I don't know how you can love some, hey, you could love somebody too much, or you could have a love addiction, right? Well, you could have a love addiction, but that's really, this is so interesting. This gets into such an interesting conversation because then that's not love. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the conversation we were having during our uh, Stranger Things conversation with the girls and that um, Cameron was talking about, well, they're just trying to be loving and Skylar's like possession is not love. Mm -hmm. And, and then I was like, freedom is love. You know, the Maya yeah, Angelou then, quote. Then you have to decide on what the definition of Correct. love is. Correct. Yeah. Because some people, like, let's just talk about parenting for a second. A lot of parents do things either to their kids or with their kids in mind and say, I did it because I love them. Yeah. But a lot of the things they do, they do in the name of love are not loving. Mm -hmm. They are not allowing their, maybe, maybe their kid is like, you know what? I'm going to use something really like easy, like. I'm ready to not play softball anymore. I want to invest in theater. I want to do the arts. I want, I want to be, I want to sing. Mm -hmm. And the parents like, no, no, no. Out of love, I'm going to keep them in a sport because that's what's good for them. And I understand the thinking, but I also, your kid is telling you who they are mm -hmm. and they're saying, I'm ready to do something different. And you, you're saying I'm doing this out of love, but really it's your own fear and your dream and what you believe they should be doing right. versus your kids saying, here's who I am. Yeah. And I would very much like you to support me or, or trust who I am. Sure. So it, it becomes, or, you know, this happens all the time with, you know, you can't be friends with this person or I'm not allowed, I'm going to not going to allow you to do this because I love you. And, and that kid, then there's a few things that happen. They, a lot of times it can break down the, the connection with sure. their parent, but what can also happen is that kid then doesn't entrust their own intuitive right. experience. Yeah. They're like, basically I told my parents this and they said, no, you're wrong. 
So I'm not quite sure if where I am with this. Well, and I always go to that, like, what's our, what's my goal as a parent is to um, invite our kids to trust themselves. And it's so hard to sometimes do that because, because we have more years on this earth, we think we know better. Right. And it's really hard to think, do, should I really trust this eight-year-old or this 18-year-old in saying what they think they want when in right. fact, I think I know better because I've made some of those mistakes. So it's really tricky. Well, and here's what I always say to parents are, you know exactly how to be you. Mm -hmm. You have navigated your life and you've learned a lot of lessons about what it means to be Todd. Yeah. And you've run into some brick walls because you're Todd and you have had experiences because you're Todd. So you can impart those experiences, but it doesn't mean your child will have the exact same one. Because we're not raising duplicates exactly. of ourselves. We're raising somebody who has came from two people yeah. and a whole bunch of environmental influence yes. that we never had. In a different time, mm -hmm. in a different age, yeah. different climate, culture. So it, they're not having our experience. So the way I look at it with the girls is, believe me, if they were here right now, they would be like, we've heard every one of mom's stories. Like I'm annoying about everything. I'm like, oh, I tell them about music and I tell them about my experience here. Or what person said to me in school, like I don't hold back on sharing stories, but I don't assume that they apply to what my daughter is going through. Yeah. I assume maybe they're helpful. Maybe it's something that they can um, look back on or be like, oh, that was interesting. But I do believe my daughter's are having a different experience. And I can only be a supportive person, a, a guiding person, someone that they can fall back on sure. if they're struggling. But I don't really know what, how do I know what's best for them as far as those kind of choices? Right. Which requires a little bit of humility as a parent. Correct. And then it also has to be, I'm sorry, but I have to say this because people listening will be like, well, what do you mean? You, I don't let them run out in the middle of the street yeah. when they're children. There's very black and white issues of safety they have to be buckled in. Mm -hmm. They, I'm following the laws. Mm -hmm. These things I get are a little more black and white, but as they get older, there's choices. Like if, if, you know, if we're going somewhere and they're like, should I wear this or this? I'm like, that's up to you. Yeah. Like, I don't need to decide the way you look, right. you need to decide the way you look. Right. So anyway, uh, before you go to the next thing, yes. uh, I just want to have a quick pause for our partner of the week. Um, sweet. Do you know why the sky is blue? Why? It is because air scatters blue light from the sun. Nitrogen molecules scatter blue light more than the other colors. So blue light bounces around the sky and then enters our eyes. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's summertime and you don't know what to do with the kids. Look no further than our partner of the week, Mel Science. If you don't know about Mel Science, they send you monthly science boxes that are STEM related. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. They also have chemistry, physics, coding, and medicine. These projects are fun and educational, and they come with clear instructions that the kids can follow. Each set has a different theme and are created for all different ages. Use the promo code ZEN at MelScience.com or follow the link in the description for 50% off your first month. Now on with the show. So one of the things I wanted to share with you about what I've been reading about this, because whenever I'm like re-struggling, because this is not the first time I've struggled with paradox, I wrote a whole book about my struggle with paradox. Um, and this is why we have our show called Zen Parenting, because Zen is the, the definition of Zen, although it can't be completely defined. A part of it is 
understanding that life is paradoxical, yeah. that there are no absolutes and that you don't live at the extremes in Buddhism. They call it the middle, mm -hmm. um, which even that language sounds like you're perfectly balanced, but you never are. But I've been struggling with this paradox idea. So I've just been reading a lot more in the last week and listen to this Todd. Several years ago, a team of researchers puzzled over a paradox that they found in cross-cultural data on mental health, and they called it the East-West divide. The paradox is that East Asians tend to report more negative emotions than European Americans, and yet research suggests they have much lower levels of anxiety and depression, which why that is super interesting is because we have really correlated that negative emotions or difficult feelings are what lead to anxiety, depression, but this hmm. doesn't, you know, that's therapeutic research. Well, without knowing anything more than what you just said, I would say if, can you, can you read sure. it to me one more time? So it says, um, so they found this in cross-cultural data. They call it the East-West divide. Mm -hmm. The paradox is that East Asians tend to report more negative emotions than European Americans. And yet research suggests they have much lower levels of anxiety and depression. So they report more negative emotions. Uh -huh. I don't know what report means. Uh -huh. Um, what, where I was going to hopefully go is that if they are experiencing, and did they say negative emotions? It says negative. Right. So I, I don't subscribe to that word. I subscribe to uncomfortable. That's okay. easier for me to understand. Yep. I don't think there are any negative emotions per se. Meaning that like when we say what are good emotions, what are bad emotions? Yeah, there's no I don't subscribe thing. to yeah, that. They're all emotions. But if the, if the East Asian culture does a better job of experiencing the uncomfortable mm -hmm. ones that will lead to less anxiety and depression. Whereas, and this is maybe me speaking as a guy in America where I'm taught to hold everything in that of course will create more anxiety and depression. Well, and that's it. So it's in, in Eastern tradition, negative and positive feelings are not mutually exclusive, but co-occur and coexist as part of a natural cycle that keeps good and the bad in balance. Mm -hmm. So this is the definition of Zen again, mm -hmm. right? Like this idea that like, of course there, there's a, con is the word concurrence? Is that a word? Concurrence? Um, I like to make correlation. Well, that no, when two things are happening at once, because correlation would mean okay. regardless, I will make up my word that they are both, they concur. They mm -hmm. happen at the yeah, same time. I think time. that's a correct use of that. Yeah. Um, and so they don't look at that and say, wow, I got to figure this out. Yeah. Which one is it? So, but the Western world, by contrast, sees negative emotions as a sign of personal failure. Mm -hmm. The failure to deal with the normal ups and downs in life or to keep our inner impulses in check. Yeah. So basically this is exactly what I was talking about at the beginning is that when I am struggling with something, I'm like, I got to fix this. That's my, like, that's my inner dialogue and that's my self-help history. And that's my, so when you say fix it and I might be putting words in your mouth or, or telling you how you experience it, if it's uncomfortable, I, what I try to do is escape from the uncomfortable, right? right? And the one of the ways that I escape and maybe you escape is to fix. Well, right? and, and mine carries a little bit of guilt because <clears throat> of my self-help history and, and continuing self-help understanding is that there is a feeling of like, if I had a better outlook, then I wouldn't be feeling this discomfort. Mm -hmm. There is a I should be able to just see all of these things as positive and sure I'll, you know, and this is the therapeutic aspect of my work, you know, sure. I'll label this anger or sadness 
Um, but really I'm fine because mm-hmm. I see it from a distance. And the truth is that when you feel anger and sadness, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. We've done so many shows about this, sure. about when people talk about anger and they're like, oh yeah, I felt angry, but then I went for a run and it all went away. That's, that's good. I guess that they're, they're using a tool. There's nothing wrong with that, but we're not supposed to sidestep it. We're not supposed bypass to it. bypass it or avoid it. Well, and I have gotten <clears throat> so deep into the weeds about, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of um, getting rid of certain emotions. Yes. Like when I'm having a crappy day, yeah. I like to go for a run or go swim or do something to feel better. And there's a part of me that is even questioned like, Am I using exercise as a bypass to feeling something? Yeah. And the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> yeah. So somebody might say, well, exercise could never be a bad idea. I think exercise is, is an is escape from an emotion for some people, myself sometimes, in the same way like a glass of wine or porn or email productivity is. So there's times when I think it's unhealthy to go for a run when I'm feeling uncomfortable and instead just allow the anger, the sadness, whatever it is, come through. And then maybe I go for a run after that, but I'm doing it instead of. Beautiful. That's what I was just going to say is that it's the experience of it because we would say, you know, if we were teaching our kids, we'd say movement, you know, if you're feeling heavy emotions, then movement is really helpful. It helps you release it, but it's about why it's like avoidant versus managing. Mm -hmm. They're like two different things. Like, are you going to go for a swim across the street? Because you're like, Ooh, I'm so uncomfortable. And I need to get beyond this. Or are you like, Oh, I realized I'm frustrated at a, Mm -hmm. and I'm frustrated because I'm not showing up for this situation in a I'm using a, you know, meaning like this, this is the thing that's causing me to feel angry. And I have to figure out new ways to deal with A. And you're like, I think I'll go for a swim yeah. and kind of process this. That is different. Well, it's funny. You just use, I just wrote the word process. So you said avoid or manage. Yeah. And then I put on, uh, I put process mm-hmm. works for me. Um, experience yeah. is so, so it's funny. Exercise isn't good or bad. No, it could be used as a tool to help you help your day get better. Correct. Or it also can be used as a tool to escape from something that you're pushing down that you're not allowing to come through. So I like the different words, like, I don't know what we're going to call this podcast, but maybe it's avoiding or managing or avoiding or processing, like experiencing feelings. Well, I think the thing that you and I have learned, um, you know, in our life experience and also in our, the work that we do with people and just doing this show is everything is neutral, right? Until we bring our stuff to it. We give it meaning. And so it's like, you know, we talk about cell phones because, or technology, because parents are so worried about that with their kids, understandably. But we then look at the phone as being this evil thing and this horrible thing, or we look at our computer and we're like, this is just the worst thing. Yeah, we're on it all day. Mm -hmm. So we're having this like cognitive dissonance, right? Like where we're like, and you, you talk about this a lot about how sometimes you get frustrated about the girls if they're using their phones, not lately though, I don't feel like this has been a discussion, but historically 
if the girls are using their phones, you would get frustrated at them because you're frustrated at yourself. Yeah. That it's you're easier to phone. project my stuff yeah. onto them than to own my stuff. Right. But that's the thing is if we're going to call a computer or technology evil, and then we use it all day, that's a really difficult thing to manage. Internally. Well, it's almost like, I, 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 don't you think a lot of parents would say, well, like which one would be more of an engaging statement? Um, the cell phone is toxic right? or TikTok is toxic. right? I think most parents would be like, TikTok is a place where, I mean, sometimes you have fun on it. Yeah, but tick, and TikTok is somewhat neutral too, depending on what you're looking at. But if you think about your feed, our daughter's feed yeah. and what that, what it shows them, yeah, I'm guessing I would be more in alignment with saying, yeah, TikTok is not a good thing versus the cell phone. You right, know, it just depends right. on the specifics. Neutrality, 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 right? Because there's all sorts of layers like, and and I don't, I don't, um, I wouldn't say that I can practice that neutrality all the time because I bring my stuff to it as sure. well. But what I would say about TikTok is being a former TikToker, which I'm not anymore. Oh, did you, I, you don't really do it anymore? I'm never on it anymore. Oh, wow, I haven't okay. been on it. I took it off my phone about two months ago only because it was taking, I wasn't yeah. necessarily making them, really, but I was really reading or really addictive, them. right? Well, in part, it, it's so, this is such a funny discussion because part of the reason I got on was because during COVID, I was doing the dances with my girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was super fun. Right. And then when they'd be like, learn this dance, I'd have to go on TikTok to learn it. Yeah. And so it became, and then you get exposed to all the new music because now artists are becoming famous because their song is sampled on TikTok. Sure. Like my girls will get in the car and a song will come on like my eighties or nineties station. And they'll know like one verse of the song mm -hmm. because that part of the song went viral on TikTok, and yeah. they'll be like, Oh, this is a song from the eighties. I'm yeah. like, yes. And they'll is... be like, it's a, this is a TikTok song. I'm like, what's a TikTok song? Well, Todd station four on XM. It's TikTok. It, it's TikTok. It's a TikTok channel. So everything. So my point is, is that it's kind of like denying that it's the same thing that we went through with Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. This is what people are looking at. Yeah. So we can say it's evil and bad, or we can say, can we um, curate our feed? So we're seeing things that are enjoyable and helpful. Can we create a TikTok account that is healthy and not trying to convince anyone of anything negative or not be completely out there trying to get people's money or, sure. something? you know, like I made a choice. I actually had a conversation with a, uh, a girlfriend of mine who's similar in age and, you know, we're therapists um, or we're, you know, doing this work and, um, and the decision to not be on TikTok was really a relief sure. because I was thinking, how am I going to do this as a 50 year old? Because I'm watching people who are younger than me, but still in my line of work as clinicians doing TikToks to get, you know, people to follow them. Yeah. And that just doesn't fit me. Right. Like I can do Instagram posts and I can do, you know, we're not on Facebook as much anymore, but I can do that. Um, but anyway, I guess my point is, is there's a neutrality there too. But what I will say, because you're talking about the things that our girls are being bombarded mm -hmm. with. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And if they don't know how to curate, or if they, if we hadn't been talking to them and continue to talk to them about the falseness of what they're seeing, yeah. which they already had to experience through Instagram, you know, everything is filtered. Yeah. Nothing is real. Everything is the perfect picture out of 100. Mm -hmm. You know, people are taking 80 selfies and then choosing the perfect one. Um, and 
even with us having these conversations with them their entire lives, they're still affected by it. Sure. And they, they tell us that, yeah. you know, they'll say, yeah, we understand that, but it's still hard to look at. For sure. And I'm like, I get it yeah. because it is for me too. So, but I think it goes back to kind of like our conversations we've had about porn is that we, unfortunately, I wish we could, but we can't eliminate porn on the internet, right? No. You and I do not have the power. So we can make it less easy for our children to access for sure. Parental controls, boundaries, all that kind of stuff, you know, when they get a phone. But then I feel like the bottom line is you talk to them about it Mm -hmm. because they're going to get hit with it. So have an ongoing conversation of the fantasy that it's not reality and that it's a male fantasy. It's often a misogynistic fantasy, like tell them what they're seeing. So they don't accept it as sex ed, right? You know, because and it's the same with TikTok, right? We can't stop it, but we can bring reality to it. Yeah. You know? Sweet. It's kind of like, I, th- I think I brought this up Yeah, like five years ago, whenever I used to watch um, sports mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, uh-huh. you get like the four minutes at the end of the show. Yeah. Like if sports was at 10, at 10, 22, sports would come on and they'd be pre- previewing the next Bears game. Right. And they'd be talking about Walter Payton. Yes. And they would say, well, you can't stop Walter Payton. You just hope to contain him. Okay. You can't stop TikTok. You can only hope to contain it. Are you with me? Uh, interesting analogy. I'm not, but I get it. I well, like I am, but could you ever contain? Maybe you know, maybe you can't contain TikTok. You can't. You really couldn't contain Walter Payton. You can't stop Walter Payton. Right. You only hope to contain him. Okay. And what does containing Walter Payton look like? hold him to 70 yards instead of have him go okay. 200 yards. On that I can hear. You Thank follow you. Me? you needed to go one step further Got with the sports. I thought that you had the, how'd the socks do yesterday. You lost by one. How are we doing? Not good. We're on below 500. Wow. How are the Cubs doing? Terribly. It's not good for the Chicago, Chicago sports right now. Okay. The difference is the Cubs are not supposed to be good this year and the Sox are. The sock, right. And so what's the hope for hope is that we get healthy and turn things around. And so who's hurt right now? Everybody. Really? Yeah. Anybody got a hammy? There's probably a hammy in there somewhere. <laughs> I could talk about White Sox baseball all day, man. This is fun. We okay. have about five minutes left. Okay. So podcast. let me read one more thing then. Okay. So this is this last language here. One explanation for these results going back to 20 minutes ago about, you know, why we have a different experience maybe than Eastern culture does with negative emotions. One likely explanation for these results comes down to the acceptance versus avoidance Mm -hmm. of difficult emotions, because negative feelings are seen as less threatening in the East and they're more easily tolerated. Whereas in the West, we go to great lengths to avoid them. And we are told we're supposed to avoid them. We are something I loved about Susan Cain's book, uh, bittersweet, where she talks a lot about the, you know, the rugged individualism of our country and that, that we really have like one of the worst things that you can be called is a loser, you know, and that that has been our history. And we have a certain, uh, former leader who loves to use that as kind of like a weapon, um, which I can't believe people can't see through that as being like, it's just a word, mm. but that word contains so much energy that people are like, I don't want to be seen that way. So I'll do anything I can versus like, you know, it's kind of like the story we always tell about how, if you say to someone, um, you know, your skin is blue and they're like, well, it's not, mm-hmm. so that's not going to affect me. But if you say you're not a good parent, then they're like, 
overwhelmed yeah. with like guilt and shame. Right. Because there's part of them that already believes There's that. no reason to defend. Right. My skin is blue because yeah. it's most obviously not. But if somebody calls me a crappy parent, right. I can start seeking out evidence to confirm their judgment of me. Exactly. And there's probably, a there's inside of us, there's already this belief that there's we're trying to- There's a doubter. To, right. Yeah. There's exactly. a doubter inside each one of us. We all, you know, maybe not we all, but a lot of us think we're good parents, but- uh, I'm sure there's plenty of evidence that we can share to say that I'm not a good parent. So I will finish with this because, you know, this is like the last thought about it is that really by honing our language around emotion, we can learn what Eastern culture knows, which is that all of our feelings are allowed. They can coexist peacefully and each one has its place. Like, yeah. You know, like our daughter, our youngest daughter, a 14 year old went to camp yesterday and it's been something she's been planning on for six months. And it's been a road to get, I mean, you know, it's been an interesting year. It's like, you know, how we're going to make this happen. And, you know, even getting up to it in the last two weeks, she got sick a week ago, not COVID, but she didn't feel good. And then she was worried about all of these things she had to pack and have and this whole thing. And we, and she got there and I felt so much relief but she's going to be there for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And Todd and I woke up this morning. We're like, Oh yeah, she's not here. We talk about conflicting emotions. Yeah. When I say goodbye to her yesterday, I was I had a lump in my throat is sad. Also very excited for her yeah. and what this three week drama camp thing was going to be for her. Um, so yeah, totally can, or maybe they're not conflicting. They're not conflicting. Well, they're paradoxical. Yeah. I'm sad and I'm going to miss you. And I'm so excited for you. It's how we felt when we dropped JC off at college. Yeah. You and I were a mess, Yeah. but we were also like, this was the whole point, Yeah. you know, this and what we signed up this for. is what we signed up for. And this is what she wanted. And she chose this school and she earned this and, yeah. and we, but we were also a mess. And that's why grief needs to be honored because yes. it's an important part. They all need to be honored. They, it, we need to process all of it. So that is it, Todd. So let's coexist peacefully. Um, sweetie, you have a book called Zen Parenting. I do. Um, parenting. Caring for ourselves Thank and you. our children in an unpredictable world. We, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, if you scroll down um, below in the show notes, you can click on it there. You can find it everywhere. It's at every bookseller. And, um, you know, I'm still doing interviews about it everywhere. That's so. right. Uh, and if you're looking for more support, uh, we have some exclusive content and awesome community of parents on Team Zen. Uh, we do two Zen talks every month uh, on Zoom, and we just are able to connect with people that want to connect with us. So check that out. Uh, Men Living, if there's any uh, people identify as male in your world, check out menliving.org. I'm the executive director of this international men's group. Um, what else do we want to promote? Anything? Um, we just want to promote that um, we're all in it together. We're all in this together. That's right. And that when you have those days where you're like, I'm alone and nobody can understand or nobody could feel the way I do, you're never alone. Um, We are all humans having this paradoxical human experience. Um, People uh, are up at certain times and challenged at certain times, but we're all negotiating it together. So just forget, you know, never forget that we're, we're here. Um, and Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicago area. So if you have any projects coming up, check Jeremy out at avidco.net or just give him a call 630-956-1800. We will catch you all next Tuesday. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen 
pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.